the actual, you know, agricultural resources of the Liverpool Plains are magnificent. I would have to say it is one of the most blessed agricultural areas I have ever seen. All that is undone at one stroke of a pen by a minister that says, oh, let's put a gas field here. It's the fear of the unknown and no matter how many studies they do on it, they can't guarantee that if it leaks, that it will not destroy. We feel like we're fighting it on behalf of everyone. Pretty much the whole of Australia loses out if the the soil and that, you know, things are carried on here that shouldn't be because there's certain areas that shouldn't be mucked with. Just about everything we do at Dirty Linen and across the whole Deep in the Weeds food podcast network rests on farming. Without productive farmers, we don't have restaurants. We don't have those resonant, connected stories of cuisine and culture that we love so much and that we know you appreciate too. And fundamentally, without farmers, we don't eat. It's basic. We also know that we need to cease coal and gas mining because of the emissions they create. The science is unequivocal. The catastrophic climate risks are too great. The move to net zero makes allowances for legacy mining, but it's clear that any new coal or gas extraction tips into dangerous territory. Given all this, we're keeping a close eye on the Liverpool Plains and the gas mining exploration licences held by energy giant Santos. Join us all week as we talk to people in the region who are likely to be impacted by any mining activities and are mobilising against them. It's an interesting coalition of farmers, bakers, townspeople, traditional owners, and long-time journalists and community members. What becomes clear in these conversations is that this is a local fight with broader implications. If you eat, if you live on earth, this fight matters. By the way, we've reached out to Santos for comment. We look forward to a response. We continue our Fighting for the Liverpool Plains series in today's chat with sourdough baker Renee Neal. Renee runs Reverend Sourdough in Gunnedah. It's bread made with time and love. She also has a close association with whole grain milling and can speak with passion and authority about the importance of Liverpool Plains grain to the Australian baking community. So Renee, so good to have a chance to chat to you. Tell us a little a bit about yourself and what you do. Thank you. Look, I'm just, you know, overwhelmed to talk with you, Danny. Um, so I'm from Gunnedah and I have my own business here called Reverence Sourdough. It's a sourdough business, as it sounds. <laughs> I've just opened up a shop in um, just off the main street in Gunnedah in the last three months, but I've been making and baking sourdough for the last 12 years. And I guess it's something that started a long time ago. My ex-husband and I own Whole Grain Milling Company, which is a certified organic and certified sustainable flour mill. Um, We sell chemical-free flour and it was through working there, you know, after seven years that I formed some great relationships with some of the artisan bakers that we'd go and market to. And I I just get tidbits from them and, you know, they'd say, oh, this, this works better with this flour. And it was basically from my understanding of milling the flour and then from talking to these artisan bakers that I started making my own sourdough. At first, it was just for our own family use. 
Uh, we also we also had a son that was what we saw gluten intolerant. We'd go and you know b- before I'd bake sourdough, we'd go and buy it from Sonoma and Burke Street in Sydney and bring it back to little old Gunnedah and I'd you know trying to feed him on this for this frozen product and I was like there's got to be a better way so yeah that's when I started making it and it just it just pretty much exploded from there I went from making it for our own family to making it and giving it away um, to family and friends and then just just through a cafe in town at the time which is no longer open called Jack and Jill's I started to sell it um, five loaves a week to start off with which is, you know, now now grown up to having seven cafes who buy from me and the customer, uh, the public customers, and you know I'm up to sort of six, seven hundred loaves of sourdough a week and lots and lots of pastry. <laughs> uh, I love it. Sourdough is certainly one of those things that really hooks people in. It's sort of like there's never ending conversation with the product. Is that right? Yeah. Look, it's so it's just such a beautiful product to work with in every way. Um, and I think, you know, my actual name of my business, reverence, means to be admired, to be adored. And um, I guess part of my story is a time when I also, the only thing I could do was make sourdough. And sourdough was actually my therapy. It's just, in every way, the process of making sourdough is, is you know, you've got to do it slowly. You've got to give it time. And, you know, in my case, I had to give it love. And it just, it grows on you I love the process of it and there's this it's so you know everyone and they people want to talk to you about it they want to talk to you about how it's made especially with the history of the chemical free flour and um there's just so many good things with sourdough (laughs) I mean whole grain milling is really an institution or a legend you know it, it is revered speaking of reverence among sourdough bakers particularly in Australia and such a big part of the story of many independent and artisan sourdough bakeries in the country um, who really see the value in that type of farming can you can you talk about your relationship with wheat and you know milling and uh, uh, how it's sort of I don't know what sort of journey that relationship has taken you on no definitely I think you know I feel oh actually get goosebumpy talking about this I feel very privileged um that that's how my journey you know that's how my journey went uh I married Craig Neal and we had whole grain milling and I started working in the flour mill but previous to working in the flour mill we also had a family property which we certified uh, organic which is a fairly long process to go through if you're if you're conventional but we did it, ticked all the boxes, did the right things. And so we would also be able to grow our own wheat. So I was so lucky to, number one, you know, you have your grain on farm, which you're watching it grow. But you also, you know, coming off the farm, I understand the hardships, the droughts. Like at one point there, I think we had four to five years of drought on our property where we didn't get a crop. And that was just heartbreaking because you're just, you know, pouring money, pouring money into an organic certification that you haven't got anything off yet. Um, but through perseverance, we did get some beautiful crops, crops, crops off. And then I was, you know, lucky then to watch the process at the mill. And I think, you know, I can only, you know, view it in the way I do and understand it the way I do. I, I totally 
love and adore the organic and the sustainable certification that we have at the mill because I know the hardship that every family has gone into to grow the grain and the hardship that our family went through to mill the grain, especially in the early days uh, when sustainable wasn't a very well-known certification. And I think also, you know, the, the toll it takes on your own family sometimes, the mill, you know, Craig is a very hard worker and he would work 24-7 a lot of times and his parents as well, their heart and their soul are definitely in that mill and um, it really is like family owned and family loved. It's, yeah, like revered, like you said, definitely. And back to the bakery, Renee, can you can you talk about how it's been received in the local community? Look, I can only, like I really love local I completely support local and I think that's what that's where my drive and inspiration comes from. I've been so lucky to be supported from the local community and the wider community right from the word go. It was through uh, Tara Spence who owned a local cafe. She wanted to start selling my sourdough in the beginning and I obtained my food safety uh, supervisor certificate and it was from there that I went from you know selling five to six loaves to the public a week to, to what I am now. And I can say I've just I get nothing from but support from my local community. I think also because the mill is local is based locally, and you know some of the grain does come from locally as well. So they they get to know the story behind the product. It's not just a product that's slapped on a shelf and you know they're just oh this is what I want. They they know myself. They know the mill. So, you know sometimes they know my they might know the grower and they know that it's you know goodness from way to go. And I mean, what's how do you feel about local food and this connection? You know, is that something that you're always talking about? Do you feel embedded in it? Like where does it sit with you? Yeah, look. Absolutely. I think because like my roots are from farming. Uh, My father was a grazier. Uh, We also did some cropping. So I have a great um, notion of it's not just you go to the supermarket and you buy meat and that's how meat is made. You know, I've been to abattoirs as a child and seen meat, you know, watched our own cattle produce and then been to the abattoirs, which is the complete other side of the story. So now it's great to be on the on the cropping side of it and you see the the end result of the grain and the flour, which is my sourdough, I I just feel like people really want to know where their food comes from. I think and I I think it's there's like a power in it. There's and it's it feels great to know that what's gone into your product. Like these days there's so many things you can buy that we have you know, you look and you think, well what's in this or what's this number or where has this come from? Is this the truth? And when it comes to a local product, most of the time it is what it says it is. And if you know the people, especially if you know, you know, they have integrity and then you can feel good about eating it. And I just think that's what people want. They they love a story. They love to know where it comes from. I know me, myself, for one, definitely. This is, yeah, me. And beyond that sort of, that romance and that desire to know, like how important do you think it is? Like do you think people see it's beyond this nice feeling and this sort of cosy closeness to food? Do you mean, do you think it, it matters? Look, I definitely think it matters. Um, I'm I'm definitely not against, you know, larger corporations and, and mass production of things, but I think there's something, and this is getting into it, there's a lot here, but it's, it's also to do with, you know, sustaining your own community and 
like, you know, business relationships and supporting small communities or not small communities, even just, you know, communities in general because you have a look at this region where we are located there are so many great small businesses and you know so many um artisan food producers as well out here that have so so much to showcase uh so much to give to the world and i think sometimes it just you know i know for me probably it was a a confidence thing in the building in in the beginning that I really had to step outside the box and yes, I did have, you know, something to show people and my product was worthy enough. So I I think definitely um, if more people, you know, who have something to showcase and to show in their local communities did it, it is a great thing as well. And tell us about the region, you know, the town where you are and, you know, where it sits in the food bowl. Yeah, so we are surrounded by, you know, the beautiful black breezer plains. I guess I could I could tell you my little thoughts on where I live because I've been able to travel around the whole of Australia. So I've been inland Australia and I've been right around Australia. And from coming from a farming-based uh, family, I travelled around Australia hoping to see what we had at home here. I thought, well, I wonder if there's something better than Gunnedah. I wonder if there's some farming. I've always loved, you know, country and land. And I wonder if there's something better than here. I wonder if I'll find something and I won't come home. Basically, I came home all those years ago because our community and the country and the land here is so rich. We are so lucky to have what we have here and so blessed. And I think that's why people in this region can produce, you know, cropping cattle. The, everything that we do is because how the soil and the country is so rich and it's just we're very lucky to have it. I mean, let's – soil is everything. You know, it underpins all, all food, um, I guess apart from seafood. Uh, but tell us about it. Um, tell us about this soil, like what makes it so good? Yeah, so look – and you know, and this is probably where we can come back to our organic and our sustainable certifications as well with the the growing process of the grain. The with the sustainable process, certain things have to be added into the soil, certain nutrients in order to obtain a good crop. You know, if you just throw some seeds on hard soil, you're not going to get a bountiful crop. And I think this is where we're so lucky here. Our soil, especially across the Breeze Plain, it's black, it's rich, and it grows some of the best crops in Australia anywhere. So to jeopardise that is just crazy. We are very lucky uh, to have this in this region. And I, you know, I believe this is some of the, the best country in Australia, what we have here. So, Renee, you know, you mentioned Jeopardy. Like, let, let's talk about that. W- when did you become aware of a risk to the, the food bowl? Basically, I think there were, you know, people would talk around town, but then there was also um, they put signs up on the Breezer Plain, you know, mine your food bowl and things like that. Look, also our close farm, family connections with farmers in the town as well. Um, you know, they started talking about the mines and that buying areas out on the Breezer Plain and it was, yeah, it was very hard to, to understand at first as to why it was allowed um, and 
I just think, you know, especially the Breeze Plain, it's a magnificent area. Um, so, yeah, that's probably – it was just through family contacts and that talking years ago um, about how, how it was starting. And what's happened since then? Like what, what's been the process of, you know, whether there's been consultation or meetings and, you know, how have you started to, um, yeah, I guess mobilise around this issue? Yeah, look, I think, I, you know, I won't lie at first I was – very scared about what was going to happen, especially to the beautiful Breeza Plain. Um, I was, you know, after that, um, some work did stop out there and I was, you know, felt a little bit more comfortable about it. But I think, uh, you know, I won't lie because I do work 24-7. I'm not read up on this as well as I should be. But I I just think... um, just yeah, they t- shouldn't mind the breezer plane and the coal seam gas. Um, I, you know, I have no problem with them doing it out in the Pilliga and out further west where the country isn't as rich, but definitely around this region, um, yeah, is a definite, definite issue. What do you think, what would the potential impacts be? Um, yeah, what do you think the potential impacts would be if it went ahead on the breezer plane? So basically, you know, you've got that loss of all that farming, that magnificent farming country, which isn't only going to affect us as a community. It's not only going to affect them, you know, one or 200 kilometres away. It's going to affect the whole of New South Wales. You know, the grain that's produced here and the cattle that are produced here go all over New South Wales and sometimes into other states. So, it's not only, you know, our local community that loses out, it's Pretty much the whole of Australia loses out if the the soil and that that you know things are carried on here that shouldn't be because there's certain areas that shouldn't be mucked with. <laughs> it's um, rural communities. I mean, pull together in incredible ways in in times of crisis. You know, we've seen that again and again with droughts and floods and you know everything that that's thrown your way. But sometimes it's harder to gather around things that get a bit political. I mean, what sort of community do you feel part of? Like, do you feel like there's a lot of solidarity? Are there a lot of different opinions? Look, I think, you know, Gunnar is, we do have a lot of uh, miners based here in Gunnar. So I will say there is a different, a, def, a definite division in the community. Um you know, a large amount of the community is farming-based, but then you also have a large amount of money that comes into the community through mining. So there definitely is a division. But I think, you know, the people on each side, on each side are pretty passionate, but the people, you know, uh, against the coal seam gas are very passionate. They're from farming families and they have a, a definite vision of what they want to happen and I think we do rally behind them when it comes to that. Would you say this issue's shaken the local community? Yes, definitely. In the last couple of years, absolutely. It's something you uh, see about in the news or you read about often and it's something that you do talk about often with family and friends or in the business community because it, it affects us all and we know it will affect us all um, if you know they're allowed to carry out what they carry out. It's interesting. It's it, To me, it seems like we're all having to grapple with this short-term thinking as we transition away from fossil fuels and towards greener power. I think even the big emitters 
you know, we'll admit that these are transitional fuels, um, you know, as we move away from, yeah, just taking stuff out of the ground that's been there for millions of years and burning it up. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's it's a, it, it, I don't know, it's so hard to wrestle with because it seems clear that we've got to, that we just don't need to do this, but the profit motive is so strong in the meantime. Yeah, look, definitely. I think it's that you know short term it's it's like a short term payback that we get i think it's very hard to sometimes look in the long term and you can you know you can be very slap happy and just be all short term based but i know now from having children and you know i i want them to prosper and i want their food bowl to be here in hundreds of years to come I, I just think you do need to look outside the box and we do need to think more long-term. There are other areas in Australia that these things can happen in. This is a magnificent food-growing area that shouldn't, um, yeah, shouldn't be marked with. I guess, you know, with your um, engagement with soil and, you know, the, the richness of the soil there and the value in that, I mean, soil is also something that doesn't just happen like it takes a long time to to build and grow and nurture look absolutely you know and with getting a you know certified organic or a certified sustainable uh, certification it's sort of three to four years in the making to go from a conventional farmer who's used chemicals to to switch over to these certifications and that's basically with the sustainable certification you're building the soil up in that time so that's what it's really based around um is not just take 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 which is you know what i think sometimes as humans we are really good at but to give back and in reward for giving back you know you reap so much more yeah i guess yeah it makes me think of humans as these you know hung, hungry animals that you know eat you know uh, eat something eat the cupboard bear you know in one direction then turn around and you know look for the next um you know bag of bounty but i think once once it's gone it's gone right yeah look i think but i think definitely like what how we're talking about you know producing local food and things like that I think that's actually, that is, I think in some areas that brings that to an end because if you know where your food comes from and that and you know it's a, sustain, a sustainable process, then you can feel so much more comfortable in, in eating it or enjoying it. Um, like so my, for myself, my I use whole grain flour. I don't know if I could use any other flour. I never have because I love our flour so much and I know there's a good standard behind it and I know it doesn't use and abuse the soil. Um, I think if – I don't think you have to make great leaps and bounds. I think if you just make sh- small steps as yourself in, in your choices, then we aren't the, you know, greedy, hungry people sometimes that we're looked upon to be. <laughs> mm. what, what other sorts of choices could people make? Like what, what, what is open to us to change? <laughs> I just think, you know, in your everyday life, make conscious decisions with – Exactly. Where your food comes from, where your waste goes, um, you know, even things like how you get to work, like all those really basic things. And I think, I just think, I think a lot of it, and I'm probably getting really in depth here, I think there's also a lot of mental health behind it as well, because I think I know from what I do and my strong family base I have and the strong family community 
that I um, supply. Uh, it's it just there's a connection you get to it, and it's um, it's definitely attached to mental health as well. So anyway, but I won't bring that into it. But yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I think it's I think it's great to bring it into it because I I've, I think that's it's is so fundamental and we, we we know that strong connections are you know foster better mental health um, and that people that feel connected to community uh, yeah are going to be better supported so yeah I think it's I think it's all intertwined and and very important I think having a connection to where your food comes from I mean food is something you put into your body it's pretty intimate it's pretty important and to be able to trust it in a deep way I think um, definitely makes you feel better yeah definitely and that's you know my thought behind it as well um, especially out in these you know out in the more remote communities and that mental health is so huge and I think to be able to you know stay connected um, and just feel good about what you eat and what you do on a day-to-day basis really uh, pays off and really helps yeah yeah well speaking about be feeling good let's just talk a little bit about the joys of sourdough and just that the the connection that you have to have when you're making it can can you talk about you know what you love about what you do so I love I honestly love to go to work and I think not you know hopefully a lot of people can say that but I don't know if many can I'm so blessed every day to actually want to wake up at one or two o'clock in the morning like I do and go in and um, just be creative, I think. I really love the process of sourdough. It's it's slow. You can't rush it. And I think that has actually taught me a lot in my life as well. I've put it um, through a lot of other areas of my life that, you know, you can't rush things. You just have to learn to take it slow and watch the process. I love working with our flour. Um, and I love, you know, like I do a, a really nice Corazon loaf and a nice malted barley and rye. And I, I get so much, um, I think probably adrenaline even when I bake, when I bake the sourdough and I see how it looks. And you have days where it's, you know, so sourdough is so temperamental. It changes, the way you make it changes with the environment and with the weather. So today out here, it's actually a fair bit colder to what it was even on the weekend. So I actually slightly changed my process today. Everything had to sit on the bench a bit longer. Um, So it's, it's something that's extremely challenging. It changes from day to day, month to month. But I think it's that challenge and that you know, risk of what's going to come out that also keeps me involved and keeps me inspired uh, every day. I love it. Um, Renee, what's your favourite way to eat sourdough? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> even though I bake it every day, I love to let it sit on my bench and it to get two to three days old where I'm literally cutting it off like it's a cracker, eating it with full fat butter. <laughs> And I, that's just it. I just love crispy sourdough with some beautiful butter or olive oil and just to enjoy the flavours that way. It is honestly, and it's not just because I make it, it is one of my most favourite things to devour. <laughs> oh, so much respect for that. I absolutely love that. And yeah, the more butter, the better. Absolutely. The full fat butter is very important. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What even is 
not full fat butter. Is there low fat butter? I mean, why? Yeah, so you know, like all this salt <laughs> reduced, and you know, I just, I just, there's nothing like full fat butter. I think once again, it's my farming background that leads me to the days of my father milking the Guernsey cow, and you know, he's we're eating the butter from you know, make butter and the cream and the milk, and it was all so rich, but. Um, it's the flavour in it that when you start taking all that away, it's just not the same. No, it's it's sustaining when it's, yeah, beautiful, full fat and natural. Renee, such a pleasure to catch up with you um, and, yeah, just hear how anchored you are in community and in the imp- importance of what you do. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat. No worries. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.